Welcome to the Mountain Gazette Library. I'm your host, John Bustar. This week, we proudly present the writings of Edward Abbey, American author, essayist, and environmental activist. Enjoy, enjoy the great American West, what's left of it. October on top of Half Dome, the whole Sierra was blanketed with a foot of snow. I had just entered a pleasantly empty subway car. And the next thing you know, you're in this calm, calm water. When you know who you are, when you get in touch with yourself, you don't have choices. So I think as a journalist right now, you have a lot of opportunity to really put across quality work that will stand out in a sea of a lot of garbage. If I've learned anything about life balance, it would be that the no balance balance is where it's at. (laughs) Episode 1, Where is Tonto? by Edward Abbey for Mountain Gazette 28. Mountain Gazette Library is proudly presented by Steo. Designed, developed, and tested at the base of the Tetons in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Steel was founded to inspire connection with the outdoors through premium technical apparel for the epic and everyday. Learn more at Steo.com. S-T-I-O.com. Steel, let the outside in. This episode is also brought to you in association with Gordini. Gordini has been redefining the cold weather experience through outdoor gear and glove innovation for more than 66 years. Based in Vermont, family run and independently owned, Gordini has focused on the same mission since its founding in 1956 to keep you outside longer. From introducing the first ever down and leather ski mitts to launching the industry's first dual layer ski sock, Gordini believes that the future is in our hands and now, our feet. Innovation is always done in the spirit of progress. See what drives our product and our passion at Gordini.com. G-O-R-D-I-N-I.com. Hayduk parked his Jeep out of sight among the pines, near the entrance to the Georgia Pacific logging area. He stationed Bonnie on the hood of the Jeep with instructions to keep her eyes open and ears clean. She nodded impatiently. Yes, yes, I know what to do. I'm the best damn lookout you'll ever have, hey Duke. He put on a hard hat, coveralls, gun belt, gun, and leather work gloves, took a small flashlight and his other tools, and disappeared from Bonnie's ken into the twilight of the cutover site, fading like a shadow among the giant machines. She wanted to read, but it was already too dark. She sang songs for a while, softly, and listened to the cries of little birds off in the forest, retreating to their nest for the night, heads nestled under fold of wing retiring into simple, harmless dreams of avian sleep. A bird has no cerebrum. She was aware of tall presences around her, the brooding and transpiring yellow pines, the dark, shaggy personalities of the Engelman spruce and white fir, their high crowns pointed like cathedral spires toward the fireball array of the first magnitude stars, and off by themselves an exclusive group, a group of aspen, slim and white, delicate, gay, and ladylike. So I see them, she thought. What is their consciousness of me? Do they give a shit? Bonnie Abzug, the metaphysical arborologist, philosopher of the psychomorphology of vascular plants and other properties, she rolled and lit a joint. Weary and warm in her downstuffed parka, she nodded for a moment, dozed, Woke with a start to find that nothing had happened. Nothing had changed, except the map of the stars becoming slightly more elaborate. A small wind rustled through the trees, 
It sounded so much like human voices that Bonnie looked around for a moment in surprise, expecting to see someone near. Nobody there. Only Hayduke's little light appearing now and then from beneath or from the hulk around the silhouette of some machine. She sucked on her weed. The wind continued talking with the trees. Like the dialogue of dreams' voices far away, not in space or time, but out of reach, on the other side of an invisible barrier. Bonnie smiled, subsiding into a warm reverie of oceanic sympathy. We are all one, she thought. One what? Who cares? Hayduke, however, under the belly of the bulldozer, was tugging at an oversized spanner, trying to open the drain plug in the crankcase of an Alice Chalmers HD41, which is merely the biggest tractor Alice Chalmers makes. His wrench was three feet long. He'd taken it from the tractor's toolbox, but he couldn't turn the square nut. He reached for his cheater, a three foot long of steel pipe, fit it like a sleeve over the end of the wrench handle and tugged. This time, the nut gave a fraction of a millimeter, all he needed. Had he ganked again and the nut began to turn. So far, he had done nothing dramatic, merely followed routine procedures. Cut up wiring, break off cylinder heads, cut hoses, smash instrument gauges, pour shellac into crankcases, destroy air cleaner and oil, filter elements, slice fan belts, crank batteries, smash lights, sprinkle emery powder into gearboxes, puncture tires, wear applicable and chisel punch a few holes into radiator cores. Nothing special. Where possible, as in the case of the HD41, he drained the crankcase oil as well, planning to start up the engine just before leaving. Gotta consider the noise factor. He had no keys, but assumed he would find what he needed by breaking into the GP office, a small house trailer close by. Another possibility, of course, was fire. Why not, as a farewell salute, set fire to the tractors, loaders, skidders, etc., once and all. Hayduke was a pyromaniac, fond of fire. He liked the warmth, and he liked the purity of it. He appreciated fire's quick, cleansing action. But he couldn't do it tonight. Not here. Why not? Because George Hayduke, like Smokey the Bear, had a horror of forest fires. Because he, Hayduke, had worked too many summers as a firefighter in too many national parks and forests. The idea of deliberately setting fire to a number of large oily paint-coated objects upwind from a forest of living trees, even though these objects were set in a clearing, even though he knew the loggers planned to cut most of the trees down anyhow, even though he knew that fires are really good for the forest, Hadn't Doc Sarvis himself said so and explained at great and technical length why it was so? Despite these considerations, George Hayduke could not do it. Could not bring himself. Another turn on the plug and the oil would begin to drain. Hayduke eased his body out of the way, regripped his pipe-handled wrench, and froze. How you doing, Pod? said a man's voice deep and low. From more than 20 feet away, Hayduke reached for his sidearm. Nah, don't do that. The man flicked a switch, trained the beam of a powerful electric torch directly into Hayduke's eyes. I got this, he explained, pushing the muzzle of what certainly looked like a 12-gauge double-barreled shotgun into the light where Hayduke could see it. 
Yeah, it's loaded, he said. And it's cocked and as touchy as a rattlesnake. He paused. Hayduke waited. Then the man said, now you go ahead and finish what you're doing. Finish? Go ahead. I was looking for something, Hayduke said. The man laughed, an easy, soft, and pleasant laugh. Is that right, he said. Now what the hell is anybody looking for under the crankcase guard of a bulldozer at midnight? Hayduke thought carefully. It was a good question. Well, this ought to be pretty good. Yeah, well, I was looking for, well, I'm writing a book about uh, bulldozers, you see, and I thought I ought to see what they look like underneath. That ain't very good. How do they look? Greasy. I could have told you that, Pod. Saved you all the trouble. What's that three-foot-end wrench for? You got in your hand. That's what you write your book with? Hayduke said nothing. The man said, you go ahead and finish your job. Hayduke hesitated. I mean, turn the plug, let the oil out. Hayduke did as he was told. The shotgun, after all, like the flashlight, was aimed straight at his face. A shotgun at close range is a perfectly logical argument. You loosen the plug, the oil streamed out, sleek, rich, and liberated, onto and into the churned up soil. Now, the man said, drop the wrench, put your hands behind your head, and kind of sidewind out of there on your back. Hayduke obeyed. Wasn't easy wriggling out from under the tractor without using the hands, but he did it. Now roll over on your face, Hayduke obeyed. The man rose from the squatting position, came close, unholstered Hayduke's gun, stepped back, and hunkered down again. Okay, he said. You can turn over now and sit up. He examined Hayduke's piece. 357 Magnum, Ruger, that's power, boy. Hayduke faced him. You don't have to shine that light right in my eyes. You're right, pard. The stranger switched off the light. Sorry about that. They faced each other in a sudden deep darkness, silent, bashful, each wandering. Perhaps who had the quicker and better night vision? But the stranger under his left thumb on the switch of the flashlight and his right forefinger on the forward trigger of the shotgun. The stranger cleared his throat. You sure work slow, he complained. I've been watching you for seems like an hour. Hayduke didn't know what to say. But I can see you do a good job, thorough, I like that. The man spat on the ground. Not like some of the other half-assed dudes I've been seeing up on Powder River. Or them kids down in Tucson. Or them nuts that derailed, what's your name? Hayduke opened his mouth. Henry Lightcap, he thought. Joe Smith. How about forget it, the man said. I don't want to know. Hayduke stared harder at the face before him. Ten feet away in the starlight, gradually becoming clear. He saw at last the stranger was wearing a mask. Not a black mask, but simply a big bandana draped outlaw style over his nose, mouth, and chin. Above the mask, the dark eyes vaguely shining peered at him from under the droopy brim of a black slouch hat. Who are you? 
Hayduke said. The masked man grinned. You don't really want to know that, he said. But I'll uh, tell you this much. They used to call me Kimosabi. Who did? Oh, that fool of an Indian used to run around with me. Tonto? Yeah, that asshole. Tonto means fool in Spanish. Yeah, he finally caught on. About the same time I learned what Kimosabi really means in Paiute. So we split up. Last I heard, old Tonto was hanging around the United Brethren mission at Elk, hitting the Ripple and the Thunderbird pretty steady. He never was any damn good. The stranger paused, reminiscing, then chuckled. But you thought I was a watchman, didn't you? Made you sweat a little, huh? Hayduk was beginning to wish it was the watchman. Where is the watchman, he said. In there, the stranger jerked a thumb towards the office trailer. Where Georgia Pacific pickup stood, parked. What's he doing? Nothing. I got him hogtied and gagged. He's all right. He'll keep till Monday morning. The loggers be back and turn him loose. Monday morning is tomorrow morning. Yeah, I reckon I ought to mosey on out of here. Still got your white horse? Now, I got rid of him a long time ago. That old silver, he was just too goddamn suspicious for this line of work. Got me a big old black gelding now. You want to see him? What do you mean, Hayduke said, by this line of work? Same thing that you're doing. You want to see my horse? No, I want my gun back. The stranger handed it back. Next time, you better keep your lookout a little closer. That girlfriend of yours never seen me nor heard me at all. Where is she? Hayduke reholstered his weapon reluctantly. Right on the jeep where you left her, puffing on one of them little Mary Jane cigarettes. Or she was. Probably out there in the dark somewhere now, wandering. What the hell is going on here? The stranger waved one hand at the surrounding night. Here's something else you want too. He said, handing Hayduke a bunch of keys. Now you can start them starters and burn up them engines real good. Hayduke looked at the trailer. You certain the watchman is secure? I got him handcuffed, hogtied, gagged, dead drunk and locked up. Dead drunk? He was half drunk when I got there. After I got the drop on him, I made him finish up a pint of bourbon he was sucking on. He passed out, scared and happy. So that's why nobody squeaked when I knocked on the door. Hayduke looked at the mysterious masked stranger who was shuffling his feet, apparently eager to leave. Where are you headed for now? He asked. You don't want to know, partner. A high voice, strained and frightened, came out of the dark. George, are you all right? I'm all right, he shouted back. You stay out there, Natalie. Keep watch. Anyway, my name is Leopold. Hayduke jingled the keys, looking at the dark hulk of a tractor at his side. Not sure I know how to start this thing. The masked man said, I'll give you a hand. I ain't in that big of a hurry. Off in the woods, somewhere, a horse stomped, shuffled, nickered. The man listened, turning his head that way. You be quiet, Sam. I'll come get you in a minute. He set the watchman's shotgun down and turned back to Hayduke. Come on. They climbed to the driver's seat of the tractor. Hayduke found himself faced by an impressive battery of switches, dials, and levers. Okay, okay, the stranger began. What do we have here? A HD-41, right? 
Okay. First put here, lock lever in neutral position. That ties in the starter switch circuit. I know how to operate a cat, said Hayduke, but this one's different. It's different, all right. This ain't a cat. This is an Alice Chalmers. But these new units is simple to start. Now we pull up here, uh, shut off knob to run position. Got a little release button to the middle. See? You gotta press that first. Yeah, that's right. Now, here's a little light switch under the cowl. Might as well see what you're doing, okay? Now, the starter switch is the little button right here by the speed shift. That's what I thought, Hayduke said. But when I tried to start it, nothing happened. I'll show you why, the masked man said. You don't have the master switch turned on. The master switch? The master switch. Real tricky, the Malice Chalmers folks. Well, where's the master switch? The stranger grinned. Patience, old buddy, I'll show you. Give me the keys again. Hadu gave him the keys. The stranger examined them under the crowding light, chose one, bent down, and unlocked the padlocked access plate on the steel floor of the operator's compartment behind the braking pedals. Lifting the hinged plate, he showed Hayduke the master switch and turned it to the on position. Now, he said, the batteries are connected to the electrical system. Now we can start the engine. Push the starter button again. Hayduke pushed the button and the engine started. Hayduke was delighted he pulled back on the throttle lever and the engine revved up smoothly, ready to work, but heating rapidly. I'm going to do something with this machine, he announced to the stranger. Yes, you are. I'm going to move things around. Well, you better move quick then. It ain't going to last uh, but a few minutes. The stranger was eyeing the instrument pan, oil pressure zero, engine temperature rising, and odd unhealthy noises like the whine of a sick dog could be heard already. Hayduke unlocked the lock lever and pulled the speed shift lever into gear. Tractor bucked forward against the lowered dozer blade, shoving a ton of mud into the yellow pine stumps into the Georgia Pacific office. Not that way, the stranger shouted. There's a man in there. Right, Hayduke stopped the machine, leaving his load piled high against the buckle trailer wall. He shifted into reverse and the tractor backed over the Georgia Pacific pickup truck. The truck collapsed like a Coors beer can. So who's next? Hayduke looked around through the starlight for another target. See what you can do with that brand new Clark Skidder over there, the masked man suggested. Check, Hayduke raised the dozer blade, turned the tractor and charged at full throttle, five miles per hour, into the skidder. It crumpled with a rich and satisfying crunch of steel flesh and iron bones. Hayduke buried the wreck under the tracks, squishing it deep into the mud. Now what? He pivoted the tractor 200 degrees and started for a tanker truck full of diesel fuel. Somebody was screaming at him. Something was screaming at him. Full throttle forward. The tractor lurched ahead one turn of the sprocket wheels and stopped. The engine block cracked. A jet of steam shot forth whistling from the fissure. The engine fought for life. Something exploded inside the manifold, and a gush of blue flame belched from the exhaust stack. 
launching hot sparks at the stars. Seized up tight with their chambers, the twelve pistons became one, wetted and welded with cylinders and block. All is one, one what? Why one unified, immovable, white, hot, entropic, molecular mass? What else? She's floundered, the masked man said. There ain't nothing we can do. He climbed off over the rear, under the eight-ton rippers. Come on, he shouted. There's somebody coming, he melted into the darkness. Hayduke pulled himself together and got off the tractor. He still heard somebody screaming at him. Bonnie? She yanked at his sleeve, pointing away into the woods. Can't you see? She screamed. Lights, lights, what's the matter with you? Hayduke stared and then grabbed her arm. This way. They ran across the clearing among the stumps towards the sweet shelter of the forest. As the truck came rumbling into the open area, headlights flared as spotlights swept across the open and almost caught them. Not quite. They were in the woods, among the friendly trees. Feeling their way through the dark in what he thought was the direction of his jeep, Hayduke heard a thunder of mighty hooves and a cry that rang through the night. Hi-yo, Samuel, away! The mysterious masked stranger galloped past his big black horse in a full run. The truck, which had come to stop beside the whistling bulldozers, discharged some men. One, two, three, impossible to count them in the dark. Hayduk and Abzug watched the spotlight probing the clearing, the trees seeking the horse, again too late. One glimpse of the horseman and he was gone, into the forest and down the road off to the end of the night. A gun barked once, twice, importantly but futile, and relaxed. The hoof beats faded away. The men at the truck moved to the assistance of somebody inside the office trailer who was kicking at the walls. They'd have a tough time getting him out of the load of rubble backed against the door. Bonnie and George got into their jeep. Who in God's name was that, she demanded. The watchman, I guess? No, I mean the man on the horse. Men call him Kimosabi. I'm in no mood for bullshit. That's what he said. Who was he, goddammit? A man from the past. Shut your door. Hayduke started the motor. They'll hear us, she said. Not with the bulldozer howling, they won't. He drove without any light but starlight out of the trees, slowly onto the main forest road, heading back towards the highway. When he felt he had gone a safe distance, he turned on the headlights and put his foot on the gas. The well-tuned jeep purred forward, guided by its burning eye. Sure could use some overdrive on this vehicle, Hayduk thought as he had thought a hundred times before. I still want to know who that man was. I don't know, sweetheart. All I know is what I told you. He said his name is Kimosabi. What kind of name is that? It's a Paiute word. Meaning what? Shithead. That figures. She huddled closer. Who was in that truck? I don't know, and I didn't want to find out. Did you? He decided to stick it to her. Did you, my hotshot lookout? Listen, she said, don't give me any hard time about that. You wanted me to stay at the Jeep, and that's what I did. 
how was I to hear some lunatic on foot creeping around in the dark? I was watching the road like you wanted me to, so shut up. Okay. And amuse me, I'm bored. Okay, okay. But why, he wondered. Did they call him the Lone Ranger? When he had that faithful dumb Indian always at his side. Why? And then the answer came, obvious as a sneer on a racist face. Because a white man with only an Indian for companionship. Yep, of course. No wonder they didn't come to our Thanksgiving picnics anymore. Amuse me, she said again. All right, he said. Consider this conundrum. Where? Where? The fuck are you talking about? Now listen carefully. What is the difference between God and the Lone Ranger? The jeep bumbled through the dark in the woods. Bonnie Abzug thought and thought. At last she said, what a stupid conundrum. I give up. He did grinned. There really is a Lone Ranger. I don't understand. Those new sleeping bags, you know. Forget it. He drove slowly now, looking for a place to camp. He pulled her a little. Yeah? Those fuckers zip together. No kidding. The Mountain Gazette Library is produced and hosted by me, John Boostar. For more, head over to mountaingazette.com slash subscribe today and pick up a subscription to the magazine. This podcast is executive produced by Mike Rogie, marketing by Austin Holt, produced by Connor Sedmak, social media by Amy Doran, and public relations by Ryan Rowe. No part of this podcast may be reproduced without written permission from Mountain Gazette and its parent company, Verb Cabin, LLC.